you? Are you right here? Right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. We're sorry, Mike's Archery. We apologize. Uh, you can thank Clay for not doing that. Go ahead and just hit it right now. We'll just hit it now. The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Mike'sArchery.com. They're a one-stop shop for virtually everything archery, bow hunting, and for your next outdoor adventure. Mike's Archery has been at the top of the archery game for over 50 years, and they want to give listeners of the Redneck Tech Podcast 10% off their entire online store using the code REDNECK10, all one word. Just put the code in before you check out, and your boys will hook you up. The guys at Mike's have always been good to us, and now they can be good to you too. Visit mikesarchery.com and get your gear now. All right, well, now that that's completely out of order, You know what fine. I did think about, though? What's that? Is. Why are they not just on one button? Well, we've talked about this. Oh. Continue. So we just need to start playing the Mike's Archery at, like, random times so people never know when it's coming. <laughs> They just never know when it's going to happen. So how we did this so that it would be more organized, and then immediately we just started with less organization than we had in the first 22 minutes of the last episode? You know why? It's because I'm not running the board. Mm. I just need to take control of the whole thing. I feel like Clay's doing this on purpose so All that right. he doesn't sometimes, have to be delegated to sometimes. this. Sometimes. It's called weaponized incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, this is technically, I guess, going to be episode 145 now. Um, we just did a short 22-minute podcast. We're going to double up today. Um, and this podcast uh, is one that we essentially handed Keegan the reins, which we just introduced Keegan. If you don't know who Keegan is, listen to the previous episode. Um, and the su- subject of this podcast is going to be what again? Explain it to me again. So we're going to try and go over the difference between shooting um, photos for social media versus like a magazine cover mm-hmm. or the difference between shooting for like social media content, um, YouTube shows, TV shows versus like bigger films or mm-hmm. short film type. So let's start on the photo side. And I think the biggest, and I want to defer to you to this too, but I, the, the way that we even got on this conversation was we were looking through the smug mug earlier today and we came across the rent guns and gear. Uh, pictures mm. that you that was the first shoot you ever did. Mm-hmm. It's actually when you're technically still working with Mark. Mm-hmm. And we had Irwin there. Shout out to Irwin. And Irwin is an incredible photographer, but he's used to really doing a lot of catalog and magazine images. I mean, he was a Bass Pro Shop yeah. staff photographer. And he takes incredible images. But at the end of the day, what we were doing for that shoot was we were doing more just social media images. Mm-hmm. And when you when you're shooting for essentially magazine covers, and when you're shooting for social media, those are two different types of shots or two different even approaches. Mm-hmm. And kind of how I wanted to talk about it was because you just got done doing a shoot with Dudley. It was your first quote unquote official outing with uh, Copeland Creative and Dudley, and you took how many raw images before you cut, before you start editing? Um, just Around. over 14,000. Four, 14,000? In how many wow. days? Five. That's a bunch of pictures. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's a bunch of pictures. So, but when I, t- when you, when you went, I told you, I'm like, look, it's quant, qual- I can't talk like Clay now. Quantity over quality. It's like we're, t- we're taking as many solid social media images as we can. 
for Dudley. We, we weren't there to create a magazine cover for Inside Archery. We weren't there for PSC. We weren't there for, you know, some publication. We were there to fill content buckets for as much stuff as Dudley needed, whether, whether that's PSC, whether that was Volcon, whether that was Sitka, whether that was Killcliff, whether that was Black Rifle, whether that was whoever. There's so many products associated with them. You're filling buckets. And when you're doing that, your approach is, my approach is spray and pray. It's like anything that's happening, I'm changing angles and I'm taking lots and lots and lots of pictures. I'm trying to get the best light I can, but you you can't just wait for the right light when that's the kind of shoot that you're on. So, yeah, so that's much of my that, approach. You almost have to just take what you have mm-hmm. and shoot for post. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, social media wise, there's what are you, else you're going to do if you're in a blind and you know you can get a good image out of this but you're not going to have the light you're not going to be able to put a bounce up you're not going to be able to do anything but you can kind of do your settings for Mm -hmm. how you can play with it in lightroom yeah and make it a good image yeah you're shooting to where you can get that and here's the thing when you when you think about thinking taking pictures for social media how long does the lifespan of that image once it goes on social media maybe a day two at the most well, well, nowadays, Instagram, if you scroll through and look at a post, the next time you update Instagram to see that post again, you have to click, like, view previous posts. So mm-hmm. it's not even on the same feed roll. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. once you've seen it, it's basically done unless yeah. you go back and search for well, it Well, that's again. what I'm saying. Like, other than, especially with, you know, followers, like, that image, the lifespan of that image is at most two days. At most. And I mean, how how long are they looking at that picture? Like, let's let me let me just scroll through Instagram just to see how long. Let me just go to our Instagram. Like, let me just let me scroll through what's on there. Video, video, picture, video, video, mostly video. There's a picture. Another video. Yeah. Another video. Another video. Another video. Another video. Another video. Everyone of them are videos. I literally haven't got a picture yet. There's a picture. First one, Mike's archery. I mean, what was two seconds? But like, literally. Look, I mean, look at this feed I just went through. Oh yeah, almost. I mean, video, video, video. And I mean, video, that's so much of how video, Instagram is trying to compete Th- now. There's a picture, TikTok. but that's an ad. Video, 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 video. Like, we need to stop posting videos, apparently, or pictures, apparently. Jesus. So, um, your average viewer is going to have <clears throat> one to two seconds with that piece of content. And if you're creating content for a brand that, like, Dud, he's posting twice a day at least. So, I mean, by the end of what do you get? Nine. When you open up a, a profile view, you get nine images. So, by the end of three and a half days, that image is no longer even in the, not even viewable. Once you go to the profile, you have to scroll down to it. And I, I don't know about, you might know more than me, Keegan, but I don't know about user behavior, but I imagine that most people aren't really scrolling through accounts very often. No, I mean, when was the last time that you clicked on somebody's account and scrolled through, unless they were somebody that just followed you, random person that interacted with, some of your content or 
they had something occasionally, really cool that you saw. Occasionally, but. I will like I'll go to that that deal, the out the the magnifying glass. Yeah, and I'll kind of scroll through this because I feel like it's not the same crap I always see, and I'll see something that's interesting. Like, hey, I don't know who that is. Yeah, and then those. maybe I'll go and like look like look at the first ten or fifteen pictures, and then I'll kind of go back and you know kind of the same thing. But yeah, you're right. I mean, but here's my thing: I very rarely do this anymore. If I'm scrolling, I'm on TikTok. I'm not on Instagram. Well, that's why you're seeing all these reels now, because Instagram's attempting to compete with TikTok. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah. The only time that TikTok's somebody just better, in my opinion. Only time that somebody is, uh, um, like you said, viewing a profile is if they've seeked it out, mm-hmm. um, or they've came across it. So well, essentially, it's your it's your it's your landing page for whatever you're doing now. Right. It's like if somebody goes to Copeland Creative, they're like, oh, these guys work for these people and they're capable of these things. You know, that's how I view it is like that's your your resume. For like if you send it to somebody, like, hey, you know, what's your Instagram? Well, it's Cope Creative. And they'll go back and they're like, oh, man, they take good pictures. Oh, they do good video. Oh, they work with those people. That's what it is. And, you know, it's that necessary evil. And I think TikTok is now the one where – it's the endless scroll with the funnies, with the lower production value and uh, the how-tos, obviously the TNA. Uh, it's just got a little bit of everything, and it's just mindless scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. But uh, all the video, hopefully, that means we stay in business longer because people need it. I feel like TikTok almost has the goal to do what golf does to me to where I can play golf and hit one good shot. And then I continue to play golf, trying to hit that one good shot again. And TikTok gets you continually scrolling, looking for that one next TikTok that makes you just literally laugh till you cry. Yeah. And then you go to the next one and it's not as funny. So you continually scroll till you try to find well, that's that one. Your, that's, that's, that's obviously not my love language with my wife, but we send TikToks back and forth to each other all the time. And then I send, I mean, Ryer sends me some. I send them to Chuck. I, th- I, mean, I feel like you don't watch mine. Th- I watch every one that you send me. You don't ever respond. Some of them aren't that funny. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry that he didn't validate you. I just wanted that camaraderie. Thanks, Kiki. Just wanted that camaraderie. We have, I, I watch every one of them. That's the first thing I do is I look at my messages. Oh, which ones? Are, some of them are really funny. Some of them are like, that's not funny. I can see how Ryer would think this is funny. But... I, I do watch all of them. I don't even send you half the ones I think are funny. <laughs> <laughs> because I know that you just won't like them. Well, like, Dudley never laughs at them. It makes me mad. Like, I'll find some that are just hilarious, and he's just like, it's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> and then this man had never seen the Chappelle show before. That's insane to me. I know. Did you see, did you see a Chappelle got attacked? Yeah, I know. Did you see what Chris Rock did when he came up to him? He's like, was that Will Smith? <laughs> Did you see where Mike Tyson got in that fight on the airplane? Oh yeah, who fought him? Who fought Mike Tyson? No on the plane? one. He fought someone. Oh yeah, there some was guy no f- was messing with Dude, him. He, he finally just got up. And he turned around up. the back of the chair and just who messes with Mike Tyson? As somebody is not who's very like, smart. Who's like you know what? This is the guy I want to mess with today, Mike Tyson. <laughs> you, you know, I read a stat today. I know we're going off subject again. That it was like showing how Conor McGregor's had fourteen fights in like the last twelve years, and it showed Mike Tyson had fourteen fights in nineteen ninety four. Like, okay, don't mess with that guy. So, um, I think the point that we were trying to get to that we strayed away from was <clears throat> we didn't ever, we never stray. When, when you are creating content, obviously you need to think about where it's going. And on social media, uh, especially, 
the priority is not on the best imagery because it's not going to live long and it's not going to capture people's attention for more than one or two seconds. Mm-hmm. I'm going to argue with you on that one. I think that you still want to take the best imagery, but what you also need to know is that it's okay to have flaws in that image and not flaws that are like going to make it out of focus, unacceptable, you know, colored bad, edited poorly, like cropped, you know, rule of thirds needs to apply, all of that stuff. But what the difference between a social media image and uh, like magazine cover is a social media image doesn't need to be life changing. No. You look at a magazine cover on any outdoor magazine or take surfing, for example. You Every surfing picture that's in a magazine you look at and you're just like, how in the heck did they do that? Every single one. Well, and that's why, like, if you get a magazine cover as a photographer, that's a, oh, that's you get a big the baller deal. award. Yeah. Because it's, it Life takes a certain right level there. of, and, and depending on the 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 category, but... I mean, it takes a certain level of image to get on a magazine cover. Yeah. Right? And you don't just... That's every even photographer. As, even as a professional photographer, you're not taking that kind of image with any regularity, no matter how much you try. Well, and I almost wonder how much of that's politics, too, though. Oh, dude, 100%. Like, I think it's everybody's, like, every photographer's goal, like, to see their image on the front of a, you know, whether it's a, you know, a poster for a movie or a you know, a magazine cover or, uh, you know, artwork for some major event, something like that. Like, yeah, but generally those things are, have some brand manager, brand something behind it with this, you know, idea in mind and this, that, and the other. And they go out and they take this one specific picture for this one thing. Well, look at us. Like how many thousands of photos do we take for Dudley a year? And how many have ended up anywhere, any type of significance for the only Sitka. ones, the only ones, I've only had Sitka use like three or four of mine. And then um, I took all those pictures, and they were actually not even really for Delhi. It was on Delhi trip at PSE's factory that got used in the inside archery. Right. You know, but other than that, I'm not aware of any other images being used for any, like, exactly. publication. Right. And the ones I took for inside archery, like, weren't even that good. They were just, like, inside of the factory, crappy lighting. And I just right, Dudley warned them, so I took them, and then they got used. Or they asked for me if they could use them. I'm like, yeah, of course. That's why I have that magazine in that room in there. Right. Is because those are my pictures. And I've always that was one of my goals is to have pictures in a magazine. That was weren't that in the way I thought I was going to do it. Right. But like, like I remember when Fox really killed that big deer, and Gon sent out a photographer to take the cover image for Gon. I was like, I want to take a cover image for Gon, real, real bad. Like that's on my bucket list is to take a magazine cover image. When it'll happen, if it'll happen, no idea. And there's something I've always wanted to do. Um, but that one, they sent a guy out there like, this is going to be the cover. Like, I need a cover image. And they took the, I was there. I mean, I helped prop the deer, but I didn't take the picture, you know. Um, it was one of those things that was just really cool. Um, and, it's, and, and and at that time, I wasn't really a photographer. Like, I could take pictures, but, I mean, I wasn't like I am now, which I don't consider myself like a great photographer now. I just, I can get you lots of content. And I mean, are they going to be top tier images? Probably not. But I mean, how often, this is the, this is the thing that drives me insane. And I feel like this is the reason why we don't have some of the top tier images. How often do we get to take pictures in golden hour? Very, very rarely. We're the, usually hunting. The, well, the chances that we have the extra day 
to take golden hour photos, the client is like, oh, nope, next trip, we got an extra day to leave early, let's leave early. Yeah, we're leaving. And I, which I can't really complain, I'm the same way. I'm kind of, I'm like a horse pointing towards the barn. Once I know it's time to go home, I'm ready to go home. You know, even if it's like, well, tomorrow morning we could get up early and it's going to be, you know, gorgeous sunrise, we could go do this, that, and the other. It's like, I mean, that sounds cool, but it also sounds cool to be four hours closer to home. You know, so I, I mean, I get it, but there's there are there are opportunities to do it. We just gotta we just gotta take them. And I got I tell myself that all the time, like, all right, slow down, go do this thing. Like, slow down, go do this thing. I'm just always kind of on to the next one, on to the next one, on to the next one. And I have to try and slow myself down sometimes. Um, but that translates very much over to the video side, even well, more I think, so. I think maybe to state more solidly. That, <clears throat> like you said, when a magazine wanted a cover image, when somebody wants a um, a brand image, when somebody wants that kind of content, generally they will commission somebody to go take that image, right? And they'll say, hey, I want you to go do this thing. Whereas social content is, hey, come follow us, and just get a bucket of imagery. And so the approach and the intent is entirely different, which shapes how and what you can do. Um, if you know that your goal is to take one good picture, then you're able to take time to really analyze and create that picture, right? Like those, some of those pictures, yeah, for sure are... Um, like take it in the moment, especially with things like outdoor and adventure content, right? Some of that stuff is taken in the moment. Um, but a lot of those images are created, right? There's no, a large so. difference between, I, I've heard a lot, especially within like <clears throat> more of the artsy photography side of things. There's making images and there's taking pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, like a lot of, like a magazine cover is the classic example of making an image, yeah. right? You are creating that image. You're taking the time to craft everything that goes into it. And the shutter press is the smallest part of that entire process, Yeah, right? There's all kinds of setup and planning and being in the right place. And, of course, shooting all types of iterations and different kinds of light in different situations and then taking it back into editing and spending the time perfecting that image, right? Like you talk to Irwin about how many pictures he will take on a trip, how many he will um, select, and then how many he will fully edit and how long it takes him to get a final image. He's spending days post-producing, editing, doing all of the technical stuff on one image for the client, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas when you are taking it for social media, yes, like you said, you want to get good imagery. You want to get imagery that captures somebody's attention. You want to do all the creative things and get a variety. But you're not gonna, you don't get to spend as much time trying to chase that one perfect image. You have to split your time getting a variety of images. And then when you come back, you need to deliver a bunch of images. So you don't get to spend f three days working on one picture. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't get to spend a week 
chasing one picture. You spend a week trying to get good pictures of all the things that are happening or all of the product that is being used or all of the experience, right? Well, there's, there's a lot of nights that, like, say, we're with Lee and Tiffany or Dudley or whatever. We go out hunting. We're taking pictures and filming throughout the day. We get back. We're dumping footage. We eat dinner. We're editing those photos we took that day, uploading them to Smug Mug, and restarting fresh the next day because we know if we don't edit those photos that night, we're going to be taking more the next day, and they're just going to compound. That's what Keegan did. Yeah. He took 14,000 and didn't edit any that night and had to edit 14,000 pictures yesterday. Good Lord, I wish I would have had time to do any of that. Mm-hmm. So, but I, that but that directly translates almost verbatim into film versus like episodic content, which we've talked about so many times. There's a difference in film and follow, being a cameraman, being a producer who's producing your talent and what's happening in the field with video. And there's the third option, which is a film where literally every shot of every scene of that movie or film or series is lit, planned, acted out, and executed. Um, and we've used the example of Badlands before. Um, if you're a huge fan of Badlands, good for you. Um, if I offend you, I'm sorry. It's just as my, this film is festival. just my opinion. Um, Badlands has yet to put a film on the film festival. They're all glorified web episodes. There's at, nothing wrong with that. At the most. At the most. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I just wish they wouldn't call it the Badlands Film Festival, which they'd call it the Badlands Festival of videos. Uh, instead. Um, I can see how hard you're trying to say something nice. I am. But, you know, there's there's guys that put their heart and souls into those things, and I get it. And... They're some of them are very you know very good very moving. They're not films. They're still videos. Um, and maybe I should define what the difference is. A film tells a very specific story that's moving. That's like I said, planned out, pre-produced. You know all those things, and it doesn't have to have a kill in it. We're doing a film right now that. We might not even put the kill in it. I don't know. But it may or may not have one in it. But it's a true film. It's a standalone piece. A standalone piece that has a message that was filmed for a purpose with lots of planning, lots of time on my end, lots of money now, um, to tell a story that we feel needs to be told. And... We're not using things as a crutch. Um, and I'm not going to get into what things are used as a crutch in Badlands, but there's lots of them. Um, we are doing it for ourselves with no outside help. We might end up selling it or trying to send it to somebody to, to support it just so I can cover some of my costs. But we're doing it with the, the entire reason we're doing it is for the story. Um, and we're eighty mm, percent done shooting it. We haven't even started editing it yet, but um, that's kind of where we're at right now with it. But if we were just going out to film a web episode with the same storyline, we could have shot it in a day. 
but it wouldn't be the same thing. Um, and I think that's where that's the really hard part for a lot of guys out there that are in production or starting to try to get into production is trying to figure out the separation between being a cameraman and producer or a quote unquote filmmaker. Um, we aren't filmmakers yet. We're trying to be. That's what everybody wants. That's what we're all striving for. Um, either filmmakers or documentarians. Do we want to be on the set of the next Batman? No. I, I'd like to see the behind the scenes. I'd like to watch a YouTube video of it. But I have no desire to be on some big film set. Don't care about it. Don't have the patience for it. But there is a reason that a TV show for the Outdoor Channel can be shot and edited in a week or two versus why a movie takes years sometimes to make or six months to a year to make. It's because everything's planned and shot and edited and redone and rehearsed and colored and planned and shot and and things are shot on certain lenses, certain cameras. Everything's done for a reason. And I think that's what guys can't get behind or can't figure out is like you either, like kind of like Ryder said, you either take a picture or you create an image. And in a film, you're trying to create an image, trying to create an emotion, trying to create a, you know, some sort of something larger than yourself, something that's subconscious to the viewer. Um, and that takes a lot of time and preparation. And that's something we won't do. And freaking, she's killing it down there, isn't she? I'm sorry if you can hear my dog down there in the bathroom, just le- losing her mind. But she probably needs to go to the bathroom, and I will take her out. Did you take her out? I did. Did she pee? Yeah. Oh, okay. Are well. you about to say something? Hmm? You are? Do I look like I am? Yeah, because what I was going to say is something you say, and if you were about to say it, I wasn't going to take the glory from you. <laughs> um, I didn't have anything. Pr- I can I can certainly say things. Well, if you'd like me to uh, well, I can go, say Clay. things. Ryer, no, go ahead. Ryer says it, and I felt like you were about to say this. That's why I wanted to ask if you were going to say it. But No, I just sometimes my, I look like I'm thinking, and I'm not. Well, you got like this, I have something to say position. Real no, quick. I was just changing. Oh. Ryer says all the time, and I agree with him, that <clears> – <throat> He believes, and so do I, that this group right here has the ability to create outdoor industry, cycling, fishing, hunting, whatever it is. I like how you said cycling. Films. Films. But I feel like because of the clients that we have, and there's nothing wrong with our clients and the content that they, that they want or have us create, we get pigeonholed. We get put in a box. Into certain get put in things. a box a lot. Like, we are, I feel like we're very good at what we do, and because of that, people don't come to us for other things. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's half the reason I want to do some of the passion projects and ideas that I have is, like, look at what we can do. Look, look at what I can do. Well, that's pretty neat. That's, that's real neat, yeah. Right, um, from the SNL, yeah, the, yeah, from he, the Stewart. He didn't, he didn't get it. Oh, yeah, Stewart. <laughs> Stewart! Yeah. Look what I can do. Um, but so there's there's things that we all have aspirations to do bigger and better things and different you know different avenues, different videos, different genres, different everything. Um, I don't see myself straying very far from the outdoor space because that's what I enjoy doing. But every time I hear somebody say, "Well, that, everything's been done," no, it hasn't. Look at the notes app on Caleb. Oh yeah, it's Copeland's not all been phone. done, man. It's just finding either the time or the budget or the right partner to go out and do it and to where you don't leverage your everything you've ever done and losing everything if something goes terribly wrong on a shoot, you know. I I, I there's 
and that's another reason why Keegan's here is like I want the the uh, the brain power and the brain bandwidth to be able to go after different things and do different things, and I have to have somebody here to help. Um, so you're here to help. Um, you're going to be on the road and handling in-house social media. So I want to go um, back to the Badlands Film Festival thing. I am almost scared for us if we put it in because I feel like the Badlands if, – if I, I, I think lots of hunters will hate it. They won't I, get well, it. I feel like if people like us who have the ability to create a film – had the time to take two or three or four weeks out of their busy season to create a film and put it in Badlands Film Festival for whatever the money prize is, 1500 bucks. That's not worth it. Yeah. They would have already done it. And I feel like Badlands Film Festival is the avenue for people trying to get there, to get their work out. And I feel like, for people that don't know, Badlands Film Festival, there's probably 100, 150, 200 videos that get submitted. Oh, I bet there's more than that. And then they go through a panel, and the panel judges on whichever ones get in. From what I heard, it's not even the panel. It's it, one dude's opinion. And I feel like... Which sucks. If we were to put our film in, and I don't want to sound boastful, but if we were to put our film in, it would almost not be put in because it would automatically win. And that sounds bad, but like ours would look completely... Or anyone out there who does this professionally that would create a film, it would look completely different than the vlog-style YouTube videos that are going in Badlands to the fact that it would look so different they wouldn't want it in because it wouldn't mesh with... Oh, it wouldn't fit. Exactly. It's not going to be the same thing. I mean, we're not comparing apples to apples, and that's what I've been saying for years, and that's why I don't even think we put... If we finish, which I plan on having it finished and editing it editing this summer, um, now that Ryder's got a new piece of gear that we can really... Handle that six and eight K red footage, John. Hopefully, reviews come later. Yeah, so but we can tease that though. But Ryder got a new computer, Mac Studio. But it's no big deal. Would no big you deal. would you be more willing to see if someone would want to pay to put their name on that, or would you want to put that in Badlands first? I would rather do True Friends for Badlands. But do you think you can do that in? We can do it this summer in five to eight minutes. Yeah, so I, I think you can honestly even do a short, even shorter than that if you wanted to. Because what is it? One to three, and then five to seven. No, it's like three to five, and then f- five to eight. Five to eight, I think, is what it is. Here's a couple thoughts. I have been thinking about things. <clears throat> I'm going to disagree with both of you guys on a couple of accounts. Of Weird. course. <laughs> I'm used to being disagreed with. I, I'm married. You forget. So go ahead. I, it's not saying that this is new. We just had a whole argument before. Um, I'm not. I think that your definition of film does include what is in Badlands. What what your definition? What you're trying to define as a film? Your definition describes a narrative film. Which has not been done in Badlands, you're correct. So I'm, what I am opposing is that none of the Badlands things are films. They are films. Um, are they very excellently done films? No. What they for certain are not is narrative films. And that's what you in your head are. They're I feel glorified like web shows. I will die on that flag. The thing about it is film is a very ambiguous term. Oh, so it is. But if by going in a film fest, it is technically a film. 
but they're not well done. Look at Sundance. Well, and then now we're going to the other other thing is films are also a way for people who are not in the industry to get their name into the industry. So I I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a bad thing that there are um, avenues for amateurs by the by the um, technical terminology to get their work in front of people. That is at its heart what a lot of film festivals are about. Um, and a lot of people who want to make movies will make short films as a pilot to that movie in hopes that somebody will see it, like the story enough to pick it up. So I think that, that those are two things that I wanted to say because I wanted, I just wanted to be a little bit more specific about the terminology that we're using. Now, I'm not going to disagree with you, Caleb, that one, there are not narrative films in Badlands. And by narrative, we mean a film that tells a story outside of reality, right? Every single story that has been told in Badlands is based in some part uh, in an experience or a story that happened in real life, right? Well, they're documentaries. They're web right. films. They're, they're not What films. hasn't been done is a narrative fiction film. Um, okay, we're, we're, a, we're... A depiction. This is yeah. what we call semantics. I know. I just feel like it should be said because I, I hate generalizing too much on stuff well, like this. Yeah. I don't. I know. Well, but I, I also just want to say that. Um, and I think, I think here's a lot of the difference between a Badlands and a Sundance. The bar in the hunting industry is incredibly low. Yeah. That's the difference. And that's the difference across all there. the boards. When you look at hunting television, it doesn't look like other television. When you look at a lot of hunting content, it doesn't look like the content from other you know, industries. You know why? There's because there's no budget. No. Huge reason. Well, budget has a lot to do with it, but the biggest reason is the producer is paying for the airtime versus the the network paying you, the producer, to get you there. Right. That's the biggest difference. That's the reason that the models are completely backwards. But that comes down to budget and then and then having actual production instead of let's go out and kill thirteen animals and make thirteen shows. That's not it's not a show. Or that's not a that's not how that's not how if 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 I was king for the day, that's not how it'll go. Yeah, I just like, I just think that that's an important thing to say because that's I think that's a major that's one of the major reasons why we always feel like we're kind of pressed up against this wall oh, because yeah. and and the reason why we see so much content that doesn't live up to the expectations we have in our heads because a lot of us base our content aspirations our our creative aspirations on uh TV and movies and industries where they have the budgets and the time and the um, creatives to go and tell these stories, and they set the bar so high, uh, and we just don't, the hunting industry doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the biggest thing to me, the hardest part for me is I see so many things, so many ideas, so many, uh, whether it's storyline, whether it's, 
production value elements, whether it's angles, whether it's uh, style choices, whether it's all these different things I see in films and in, you know, really good like Netflix type series. And I want to incorporate those in what we do. They just don't fit. And that, and that frustrates me so much because they don't fit in web shows and TV shows that we produce. Um, but they would fit into things that we have ideas for. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I want to be able to have the flexibility to where we can do those things every year and say, look, look what we are capable of doing. And I want it to be, and still the, the, the still the crown jewel that we've ever done, in my opinion, is what we did with Bluestem. And and that, for those of you that know, went horribly wrong on the sponsor side. So it didn't really get seen as we wanted it to be seen. But that really opened my eyes to what we were capable of doing. And we were even still inside a box there a little bit because we were really pigeonholed with only doing, you know, like waterfowl hunts to tell the story of the guides more I would love to have been able to go with their families and show the time away and you know have essentially an entire year to tell that story versus a week mm-hmm. you know we still were in a box to some capacity so well you always operate with oh, yeah. constraints no matter what you do for certain but in I think the hunting industry especially and some of it is due to the nature of what we're filming like you do have to operate within the constraints of a hunting scenario if you're trying to film a hunt and trying to film a kill, right? You just can't do some stuff. Because yeah. if you try to do some stuff, you're not going to get a kill. Yeah. So, but by the nature of some of it, you have constraints due to that. But there's also a lot of other constraints, you know, that if you didn't have them, you could do a lot of cool stuff. Well, and you also say... <coughs> Meaning R ratings... The, the hunting industry is many years behind yeah, well, all the other industries. I don't even know if it's the – at this point, I don't even know if it's years behind anymore or it's what happened with Blue Stem and the sponsor come in and said, well, I can't watch this with my children. It's like, okay, don't watch it with your kids. Is that saying you can't you can't put Scream on Netflix because your kids could watch it? That's 100%. what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's it's not even it's a it's an old man, it's an old gentleman's club now. You know, and I, and it always has been. It's a it's good a, old boys club. It's a good old boys club. It really is. And it's and at what point does do we get to break that mold? And and if we don't do it, somebody else is going to. Black Rifle's already doing it a little bit. Not necessarily just as in, in this industry, as in, you know, Look at, I mean, look at what the industry they walked into, though. Their competition was Starbucks, the most buttoned up, you know, clean. Oh, I'll have a bear day. Yeah. I mean, that, that they were, they literally sizes. went in and said, we are going to be the anti Starbucks. And a lot of the, and they owned it. Well, and at some the, point, there's going to be a hunting company that yeah, does it. Yeah. But it's got to be somebody with bigger balls than anybody that we work with because nobody will let us do it. We've tried. We've asked. Nobody will let us. You know, and at some well, point. Well, it's not, so much, well, what's it's gonna not so much the clients that won't. It's the people that are paying for the clients to have the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because yeah, we, like, like, we could get a Chuck or a Dudley or a Brian or whoever it is to do it, but the people that would pay for it won't let you do it. They won't support it. Yeah. Right. we got to find the, the black rifle to come in and say, gloves are off. Y'all go do 
the best version of this story or this narrative and be like, Roger. Well, and they would, but they can't fund it by themselves. Yeah. You need four or five black rifles. Yeah. But anyway. On a side note, I know there's still people that haven't seen Blue Stem. Uh-huh. People should go watch Blue Stem. Yeah. It's on YouTube, guys. You can Get go it together. watch it. You can, you can watch the watered-down version on YouTube. Yeah, it's you can't watch it. It's still really good. It's still really good. It is. But it's not as good as it could have been. Uh, it's really good, though. Um, and we've been over... Maybe we should break that down one day. Maybe we should put that out there, and maybe that's something we can plan on, Keegan, is like putting out the four parts in a week and like planning and doing a podcast on breaking down, like give people an opportunity to watch it, and then we can, like Ryer and I, can break down the hows and whys. Instead of the movie that we talked about seven podcasts ago, should we just do it with Bluestone? No, we you still no, have to do the movie. movie. We need like, to do the movie still. Yeah, I'll start at this. Also, I'm invested because I was still watching when y'all started. Well, I'm this, supposed so to. I'm waiting to hear back from this lady on buying a six stadium, a really awesome chairs for um, a whole movie room, and she's not answered yet. We could live stream Blue Stem and watch that. Oh, we could. Wait till the end and then go through with people. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll do episode by episode. Um, Maybe it could be a four part. Yeah, four it's part. Gonna ha- well, it's, it's a, an hour put together. It's going to have yeah. to be. Yeah, we we could do part one. It'd break be, down part it'd one. Be an part hour two. Per episode. Ryer's super excited about it. No, I'm, I'm an entirely. I have a whole thought in my head, and I, I'm. You're trying to get it out. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, I think that we need to talk more practically about the difference in approach between how we film a web show, a TV show, and a film. Because okay. we we talked theoretically about a lot of the differences between maybe them, and then got into some you know headier uh, industry Imagine insider that. talk. Are you okay? I know. Huh? Are you okay? What do you Dude, mean? Are you running a fever? No. Because you're wanting to not talk theoretically and want to talk practically. And I just wanted to make sure that you were okay, buddy. Yes. Well, I just feel like... I'm glad you're okay. Carry on. It was a great thought. Carry on. I just feel like, you know, we. I want to do both because also we do have questions we got to answer on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're 42 minutes into this. Yeah, I just wanted... Cause I wanted to be able to have some practical ideas because I know a Kay. lot of people... Do it. Oh, uh, you first. I've been talking. I'm tired of talking. Somebody else talk. I can go first if I need to go first. Go for it. Okay. So I'm going to use Lee and Tiff and Spy Point as an example because obviously Lee and Tiff is a TV show and Spy Point is an 8 to 10 minute web show. Um, and that's literally the only two things I filmed from August until January. Yeah. Um, so those are the only two things I can come off the top of my head. So literally, Lee and Tiff, filming Lee and Tiff, and they're a bit different because they hunt every day, and their shows are based around a deer and not a hunt, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. like, they go out west, and they go elk hunting and mule deer hunting, and that hunt is, or that edit is from those five days, but Lee could kill a deer in November 1st, but see him on October 1st, and that's going to be part of the episode. So it's not what we would call linear, but... I find myself almost shooting more now for the web shows than I was before. I'm going to go let the dog out. Y'all continue. Because I have the ability as the editor to not use it if I don't want to. No, if that makes sense. Like, I will film enough to make a 25-minute episode and knowing that if we get back in to editing and there's three days of five where nothing happened but two super action-packed days, I have the liberty to throw those three slow days out and just – 
show the two action-packed days. And I would almost say it's more, it's a difference between linear and non-linear edits versus versus TV or web, if that makes sense. To, to, to a degree, of course. Like TV, TV, you still have to meet that 22 and a half minute time mark or you can't make a show. But you would film a linear TV show different than you would film a season-long deer, whatever you want to call it, for, like, Lee. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, I, I think that more of it comes down to the style of whatever it is you're doing, plus where it needs to go and how long it needs to be. Um, I think that when you film a TV show, you know that you have 21 to 23 minutes of content that you have to fill. And so you end up filming a lot more things in general. Um, and also when you film a TV show, you have built in, which you have on web shows, but more so on the TV side because of how much more expensive it is to have a TV show. You have a lot more sponsor requirements on a, t- on a television show. So when you're filming a TV show, you film a lot more stuff generally. Um, and you are going to uh, film a lot more sponsor stuff. You always have to have your eye on getting shots of sponsor products, getting shots of hosts using sponsor products. Uh, some sponsors obviously require um, you to film whole dedicated segments for them, all that kind of stuff. When you film a web show, you still have a lot of those things. It's just a generally a um, condensed version. So the only real big difference oftentimes in the physical act of filming a TV show versus a webisode is that you're just probably going to do less of the things that you would do with a um, with a TV show. Uh, but what I think makes more of a difference is the style of the show and the style of the web show, right? So for like the Make It Happen stuff that is coming out soon, um, we film a lot more kind of travel, off-the-wall stuff, the in-between stuff, because uh, for that show concept, for what that show wants to talk about, it's applicable. Um, We film a lot of stuff there that we wouldn't film with Lee and Tiff. Um, And the same goes for, like, um, Lee and Tiff. We film a lot more of the management stuff for them that we would we won't film for make it happen mostly cuz we're not really managing anywhere. Right. Um but that's a giant part of Lee and Tiff's show. Um I think a lot of the big difference is when you're filming a TV show, you never really know like how much of something you're going to need to use. Right. Because with a web show like you said you get as an editor or if you hand it to an editor you get the liberty to say "Ah, well nothing important happened here we can throw it out right because if your web show ends up being five minutes or ten minutes generally that's fine Um, with a TV show you have to hit that number like you don't get to go over you don't get to go under 
Uh, and like we've always said, it's much easier to, it's not necessarily easier, but it's better to take away than it is to try to stretch, especially if you don't have the content you need to stretch. And so I know when I go into filming a TV show, I film every sit as if it could be used as a significant part of um, a segment. Like, I try to film everything with the same level of importance because you never know. You might have a day where you're thinking, oh, well, this isn't not a whole bunch, bunch is happening or what the, what not, but maybe you come back into editing and it's like, well, not a whole lot happened for five days and then we get one day where something happened. Well, you'll see and that. You have to, and now you have to... You have to make a show out of five days of nothing happening and one day of something happening. And the one day of something happening is one segment of the show. So you have three segments of the show, basically eight, six, like 15-ish minutes where the nothing happening has to be interesting. Right. And so you, as a producer, are always trying to make everything that is happening usable within the show right so if nothing is happening let's make something about nothing you happening st you still have to document the events of right. the day well that's that's filming your web show your tv show right you're just you're documenting everything yeah you know well, where the different you could take it into like a short film where you're filming you have your shots this mm -hmm. is all you shoot where you go into your tv web show anything else like that you know, even your generic like YouTube shows, they're just documenting everything. Yeah. And then you can compile and be your filmmaker and post and do kind of what you want. But well, you mm -hmm. think about it, like how many times have you watched a web show and they kill on the first day, right? And it's a kill. It's a web show with a kill and it's like three minutes because they kill it on the first day of a five-day trip. That to me tells me that whoever was filming that went in with the expectation of being able to get things on day two, three, and four and probably killing on four or five mm -hmm. and having to have three days worth of footage to go back on and it bit him in the butt because they didn't want to take the time to get those drone shots or get those loading the truck shots or all those kind of things. And now they're 24 hours into a hunt with a kill. They're able to go home three days early because they're done three days mm -hmm. early and they don't have what they need to make a five to eight minute web show. Now, I've never had the luxury of killing on the first day, so <laughs> that's good, but you do see that quite a bit. It's definitely something to keep in mind, right. you know, in the back of your head that today, right now, could be the moment. But, like, on the opposite side, that would be for web, for TV. Like, say, like, like Tiffany this year was with Caleb's second set of the year. You gotta make sure she doesn't chew cords. The second set of the year this year with Caleb, Tiffany killed her target buck. But with TV, you have that luxury to, because TV has, a lot, a lot of it has to do with your turnaround time. Web has a two-week turnaround time where with, with TV, like, you get back and you're editing this time of year for a TV show that was shot in October and... Tiffany killed on the first day and you have one day of history with this deer other than trail camera pictures. Like you have the luxury as an editor to tell the people that are shooting, Hey, this summer y'all need to go back and do stuff, managing, preparing food plots, setting stands for this deer because she killed on the second day. There's not much of a like venture out for this deer. You saw it on, on day one. So 
you have that luxury of a TV going back and creating a story around that deer where if that was a web show and we had to make an 8 to 10 minute web show, we would have two sits to make an 8 to 10 minute web show about Tiff hunting this deer. So it also has a lot to do with your turnaround time. And deer hunting. Deer hunting, you just don't, unless you just have like the most epic sit in the whole history of ever, it's really hard to make a whole show out of one sit. Well, that's what we were saying. Like how many times have you watched, there's been a web show with a kill and it's been like three minutes because they killed on the first day. And then everyone's like, all right, peace. We're out of here. We're going home three days early. And Mm -hmm. like you literally don't have anything because you planned on day four or five being your kill. Yeah. That's what. That's why I, when when guys watch shows and everything, I'm like, so you watch the kill, right? Like, yeah. I was like, this is like third or fourth segment. Yeah. I was like, so there was another 21 minutes of content. Where did it come from? And they're like, huh. And then I mean, it's like this so subconscious to them that they don't even realize that there was a week of work went into that. You know, a week of shooting and then a you know week or two of editing. It's like they're just like. Oh, I just, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even understand that. That doesn't make any sense. It's like, that's why I just, I encourage somebody to follow along with what we do on editing and stuff like that. To like, there's so much time and thought and effort goes into this. And that's why it's so frustrating for us as we go and we create these films or episodes or TV shows or whatever. And we got so much time invested and money invested and, People like, yeah, man, that was a really cool deer. It was a big deer he killed. It's like, gosh, man, there's so much more to that episode than that. Oh, and by the way, if you're watching the YouTube live stream, you get to see the new pup. If you're not, then you suck. Well, that's like the big deer that Brian killed in Alberta. Unless people are listening to this and they hear me say that y'all killed on the first night and you had to go back the next evening and fake pass on deer to make an episode, mm-hmm. they, they would just think you had... Like, just the person. You know what? You guess how many other people are actually willing to do that, too, to make a better story? Probably. And that's what another thing that drives me insane. We've talked about it before is, did we lie to the viewer? Maybe. Was it more entertaining? Absolutely. And that's what we're there for. We're there for entertainment. We're there for products. We're there for companies. And we're trying to do the best job by those people as we can. But also, if y'all, if the web show were to play out and y'all kill on the first night, it's like, oh, that was high fence, or oh, it must be nice to pay that much for that hunt. Yeah. Where you show them how it actually turned out, and they have something to say about it, but then they find out you didn't show it exactly how it turned out, and they got something to say about it. Yeah. All right, sit down. No, This is a good thing to remind people, though, or bring up, though, just the end of turkey season. You know, anybody filming turkey hunts, especially because there are a lot of turkey hunts that first day, you know, you get it done at 8 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Both of, both of us this year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, that's been it's something where you've got to think about that filming going into stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I think, and and it, a lot of this has to do a lot. Like, there's there's so much in your shooting process that is informed by everything else that is not happening on that hunt. A lot of your shooting process has to do with where is this video living who is it for what's the style of it what what is important for this client what do they want to see what don't they care about all of those things inform what you're going to shoot how you're going to shoot it and all those things and that's really more of a pre-production sort of process but um 
I think a lot of times people go into something, especially newer guys, and they show up with a camera, and then they film the kill, and then they're like, oh, well, I, I did the job. And I, oh, like, my entire thought process all the time is like, if I had to make something out of this, could I? Yeah. And so I, I act and I shoot more than most people because of that thought process. Well, that's a good thought um, process to have, though. You but, always have what you need. Right. And I, I do it, like, on a granular basis. So when I'm sitting in a tree, I want to get all of the things that I might. If that deer shows up at first light, that's not my – unless unless it literally, like, we sit in the tree and it shows up before I can shoot anything, which doesn't really happen. It's maybe happened once or twice where the first thing that I shot was like a deer coming in or something. But most of the time, when I show up and we get set up, I start filming things immediately. Scenics yeah. and locations. And as soon as, as soon as there's enough light that I can get an interview, I get the interview. Yeah. Because, um, uh, because if that deer shows up early, I need all of that stuff. Yeah. Right? So, and then if the deer doesn't show up early and the light changes and now the sun's coming up, okay, now I get the same shots, quote-unquote same shots, again with the sun coming up. Mm-hmm. Okay, the day is starting to get get long and... and it's the middle of the day. Okay, now I'm going to get some middle of the day shots. Um, because I'm always thinking about having the pieces that I need for whenever it happens, whenever the kill happens, right? And you got to think about that in the entirety of the show, right? So that doesn't just apply to when you get there in the morning. It also applies when you show up to the place that you're going to hunt. You need to just assume that the very next thing you shoot at all times is going to be, like, the kill. Right? I guess we'll say the kill because we're talking about TV and web. Like, you just have to always assume that the next thing that's going to happen is the kill and that you're not going to be able to do what you need to do after that, which is honestly happens a lot. Like you, you think, oh well, we've got three days here. If we, if it happens on the first day, well, we'll uh, we'll just go back and recreate stuff. Well, a lot of clients don't want to do that. Like if they kill, no, they're all like, clients don't want to do that. Like, oh, well, we killed, we're done. Right. And so you can't bank on that, like you said. Right. You have to always have this mindset in your head of get the stuff before you need it. Like think about what you need, and be getting those things before you need to get them. When when I'm in a tree stand, I kind of have a stock set of B-roll shots that I just get because I like those B-roll shots, and I know it gives me seven or eight shots that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always get those. As soon as I can see with my camera, I get those because then it's like your early morning, you, you get those. And then I get them again, m- mostly for TV, web, not so much. Because I know it, not everything's gonna. Get, I, I've kind of gotten to the point. I think all three of us have where when we're shooting web, we know what's getting used and what's not. But with TV, like Lee and Tiff, as soon as my camera can see to where my ISO is not through the roof, I'm getting those B-roll shots. And then 
in gray light, I'm getting those B-roll shots again. And then as the sun's coming up, I'm getting those B-roll shots again. And then when it's daylight, I'm getting those B-roll shots again. So I now have them four times, four different times in the morning for whenever they need to be used. But then as the sun's coming up and flares start happening or you can see things or silhouettes, I'm getting other B-roll shots out of those five or six or seven that I normally get. But even then, that gives you a timeline just of that before you even start filming deer or talking of the morning progressing. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. then at the very least, with a couple pieces of talking and seeing an animal or two, I can build out two minutes of a morning hunt. Mm-hmm. literally from just from that yeah and it's also important to always give yourself that beginning middle and end wherever you may need it right you don't want to tie yourself to a beginning middle or an end and you certainly always need a beginning and middle and end and if you don't think that you need a beginning and middle and end go at it and come talk to me again yeah because you'll well no if you if you think that you just show up and shoot stuff and then like go edit it you will find your missing things in your edit and you'll be like, oh, well. But not only do you need a thing. beginning, a middle, and end for the video, you need a beginning, a middle, and end for each scene within that video. Right. And, and you also need to have the flexibility to, okay, well, maybe I need to draw this whole hunt out. Let's start from dark and go through. Or maybe I don't need to do that. I'm going to come into it from, you know, sunrise. Or I'm going to come into it in the afternoon, you know? Like, you should give yourself in your shots the flexibility to begin and end wherever really you need to. Well, and for, I don't, not so much TV, but for web, I will do this the first evening or the first morning of, once again, let's just say tree stand hunting or turkey hunting, the first morning or evening, I will shoot the crap out of getting ready, getting to the spot, and then walking through the woods or through the, you know, into the food plot or whatever it is, up getting up in the stand. I'll shoot the crap out of it. That way, I know I have a lot of getting ready, gearing up, getting to the stand, getting to the ground blind, whatever it is. That way, if for whatever reason something happens and the next morning it's pouring rain and I can't film until I get in the tree stand or whatever it is, like, I at least have enough that I can squeeze in it getting ready and everything into two mornings. And then you've got to do that. When the weather changes. When the weather changes, when the seasons change. But but if all else fails, once again, if for whatever reason we kill that first morning and that first evening, I have enough stuff that I can stretch out. And then if I get a bunch of really, really good stuff, I don't necessarily have to film that every morning and every evening, maybe just one more time to make sure I have enough. No. And then I think this is where we talk about the major difference between – filming like you said documentary type content which is tv shows and web shows in the hunting industry and films or brand content when we go film when we have been filming the film um we had a very defined plan and shot list before we shot so with most of the things we shoot 90 percent of the time um the most the most kind of planning we have is like I said the generals about where it's going, who the client is, what the style of that particular show may be, um, and the things that are important for that piece of of content. Um, 
but other than that, um, like we don't plan, okay, we need this shot and this shot and this shot and this shot and shots of these things, right? It's all very just kind of general situational, situation-based, instinctual, um, based on, like I said, all the kind of general planning. When you go shoot a film or you go shoot a piece of very specific brand content, we will have a, a list. Sometimes we'll literally have a list of, okay, we, we're going to start the piece with this. Then it goes here. Then it goes into this thing. And then it ends here. You know, And then that may break down into, okay, we need these five or six shots here. We need these 15 shots here. We need these 10 shots here. We need this lapse, this drone. We're going to do these things with the GoPro. Like Before you show up to shoot that thing, you already have a pretty defined list of all of the stuff that you have to shoot. And then you just go execute that list. Mm-hmm. Well, we have that. And moment. so a lot of the, like, you keep hearing us talk about, okay, when I show up, I shoot this and this over and over and over again and shoot all the changes and shoot all this big, huge bucket of stuff because... We don't know the end product yet, and we don't know what we're going to need it, and for it the does end evolve. product. And it, it does evolve as we're shooting sometimes. Sometimes we see things that, are, that we had planned, and we're like, yeah, that's going to suck because of this weather or this wind or this particular animal or the kill, sh- kill shot didn't happen. And we had in our mind, like, it always is changing. It's always adapting, but we always go in with a pretty dang good plan. <clears throat> well, and like, when we, when we go to Leontis next week, we have a, sh- a sponsor shoot we have to do. And the creative director for that brand literally sent us a document that says this shot, this angle from this, f- this framing. And we're going to get to the marathon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally it's laid out 10 or 15 shots that we have to get. And then, I mean, I would assume that if we see, see anything else cool or creative that we'll get that, but it, it wasn't like he was, Hey, get us a 30 second commercial. Like mm-hmm. they literally, hired a creative director to plan this out and say, you're going to get this shot, 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 and this shot. And sometimes that's great because really no legwork on our end other than reading the script and doing that exact shot and being done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a lot of the, I think a lot of the major differences in approach, well, and two, with brand content or a film, Again, like what we talked about with the photos, is you have a bias towards, generally, um, quality. And you will do what you need to do to to maintain a very high quality of image. Um, Whereas with uh, a lot of documentary-style stuff, you don't get that privilege. Like, you, you need to make the image from what you you can do right you if the light sucks it in this particular moment and you need to be filming in that moment you just have to deal with it and film whereas with brand content or with a film if the light sucks or the weather isn't great or you don't like this location or this thing isn't working out you go okay well let's wait for the light let's do this different let's how can we make it better Make it the best it can be. It'll never be perfect, ever, right? And you always, when you're filming documentary-style stuff, you want it to be as good as possible, but you have to live with getting the shot, right? The priority is getting the things as they happen, 
generally. So you have to prioritize getting the stuff. When you are filming for a brand or a film, your priority is getting it as good as possible. And generally, you don't have to get it then. You can wait or do it differently in order to get that thing. Yeah. Um, and so your approach is entirely different. Like I, just, the, I think about that with like Yellowstone and like how many times they're shooting in absolutely perfect lighting conditions outside. And they're also you also how much time do they wait? Be like, yep, we got to wait for the wait for the light to get right, or they wake up on set and it's cloudy and they're like, yep, not shooting today, waiting well, we, for the better light. I did that last year in Alaska with NCIS. They came out to the lodge and shot an episode. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and they had their set list, and we had to do. Two days worth of stuff in one day because the next day it was supposed to be cloudy and windy. Yeah. And they couldn't have that because it wasn't going to mesh in their scene. Mm -hmm. So we had to do all of this, but we also had to wait like for the right light and timing. So we were trying to like flip flop and cram stuff together and huh. it, just, it just ended up that it was okay. But they've got a specific color tone in the sunset that they want for that shot and they're going to sit there by God and wait for it. Yeah. Gosh, it'd be nice to be able to do that. And a lot of, like, a production like Yellowstone, 100% has that planned in where they know, hey, we're going to have weather days where we can't do this. And they just have it planned. And they yeah, because there's going to be some days do in Montana where it's like so that. windy you physically can't shoot that day. Yeah, can you imagine the audio guys trying to fix that? <laughs> God bless them. So we got – we. We done there? You ready to answer questions? We're already an hour and nine minutes into this one. We probably should answer yeah, questions. I mean, do do you think we covered it? Is everybody satisfied with our... I think so. Far right so. backwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. All right, where's the questions at? <clears throat> They're on... I don't have questions. They're on the Redneck Tech. You've got them. I'm on the Redneck Tech. There are no questions. Neither are. Go back. Go exit out of that. Oh, I got them. I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, I thought you meant on the live stream. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, my bad. Okay. All right, here we go. If you've buried with us this long, we finally get to Doing that. video, photo, or video work seems to have awkward moments. How do you all lighten the mood and keep it fun? Um, a lot of our clients are our friends. Yeah, I think that helps, but I think it helps more than anything to have already created rapport before those things happen. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's one of those things to where and that was like one of our former clients not not working with us now. That was one of the things that he said when we first started working with him is he's like, you guys are way more personable and fun and funny and just hang out and shoot the crap more so than anybody else I've ever worked with. And I I take pride in that because I don't want it. And like we had guys come to our class and like, yeah, we were really hoping, we were really thinking this might be like a really professional environment. We're like, No. It's not that we aren't professionals, but we carry ourselves in a way that's very conversational, very, you know, we're, we're buddies, and we try and be buddies with all the people that we work with and work alongside our clients and all those things. And when you create a relationship and a rapport with people, when things inevitably do happen that are not ideal, I think that those things just roll off your back because it's it's not a big deal. I think once you – now, if you're – I think if you're you're not the person or personality that's going to have that rapport with somebody, um, I've had 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 things happen like the first time I ever met people and things are awkward. But 
I think it just comes down to your personality, whether or not you can handle that or not. And I don't have pro. I mean, I've never had a knock on wood, never had no crazy situation happen. But um, for the most part, it's been pretty straightforward for me. I mean, nothing big majors happened. Well, we also, before we go on a shoot with somebody, we're always having at least one phone call with them. So even though when we show up to shoot, it might be the first time we're actually meeting that person, we have had one or two or three conversations on the phone with them, just the initial hello and then, you know, planning out the shoot and things like that. So they kind of already have felt us out and we felt them out on how kind of how people are. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's really a – it's not like it's – I think part of the question stems in like, okay, if you're doing a photo shoot with somebody and they're kind of an awkward person or you're having awkward moments, how do you solve that? I think a lot of it is just it, – it, it's either your personality or it's not, right? Like if you are able to go hang out with people and talk to people and, and get along with people and spend time with people, you're probably going to be fine. Um, if you are the type of person who like – can't do that then you're gonna have a hard time and there's it's not really like you can teach that i mean it's just kind of like be positive uh and just bring a good attitude to the situations uh and generally most of the time you'll be fine obviously there's always crappy moments that happen but the thing is everybody in is in it together right like if some crappy stuff is happening everybody has to deal with that everybody that is in that situation is having to deal with that thing you know so it's just kind of like hey just you deal with it be positive make some jokes just be a cool person yeah and that that's usually going to get you pretty far yeah i think that's the answer so big daddy hauser said born and raised us 45 minute web shows um takes a little longer than, than he and it takes him to take a crap to watch one, but they're like lower quality films. Not a web show. It's Not a vlog. A, it's a yeah, it's a vlog. Um, I don't understand if that's a question. Also, my response might be a little longer than film, but I like longer films than most people. Yeah, that's a vlog. That's not a film, Those, yeah. and it's not a web show. Um, I don't know if there's a question in that. I tried to make sense of it. Serial uh, box. Do you shoot film, quote unquote, cinematic for TV, or keep that film? and keep a different format for TV. What are viewers' expectations for each? I'm trying to figure out the difference between them all and how to shoot them differently or slash better. I think what he's asking is, do we shoot films differently? The film that we shot, do we shoot it differently than we shot, than we shoot like TV? And the answer is yes. Um, we shot part of it. We shot it very, very with a very strategic purpose in mind. And with the... The film. The film. We shot a very specific person, you know, we literally started out locked down on tripod and we moved to slightly handheld, then we moved to very chaotic handheld with a, with a goal in mind. And then we shot it on a red because we also knew that we were going to do some different things in color correction that we would need that raw file for. Um, so... Yes, we do shoot it differently, but it's for a reason, not necessarily the quote-unquote cinematic value, I guess, which I guess it kind of would be. Um, and then for TV, really what we're doing there is we're trying to get the best quality we can, but within the confines of time and space. And what I mean by space is how much gear you can physically carry with you and how quickly you have 
to change lenses, to change gear, to modify things while on a hunt. That's your limiting factor most of the time. That's why we try and shoot with one lens most of the time, you know, our 24 to 240, just because you just don't have the time a lot of times to switch lenses, to change, you know, focal lengths or, you know, I want a faster lens for this or a wider lens for that. Like, we just don't have the time to do that, whereas in a film you do. But all those things like drones, like time lapses, like high speed, like all those, those are all tools in your toolkit. They get, they shouldn't be used as a crutch. Um, Again, I think, I think this is also more of a question of style than anything else. Um, we could take the three different TV shows that we've worked on and every single one of them is filmed slightly different. Um, Huntmasters was filmed more cinematically because the style of that show was in the vein of a, of a more cinematic show. Um, so yeah, we definitely filmed that one different, uh, all the way down to what color space we were using to film that. Now, maybe we should have used a different color space (laughs) in retrospect, but the reason we chose the color space that we did was to achieve a more cinematic look. Um, with Lee and Tiff, we're, we're not film like we're filming it completely opposite in, in terms of what we film and how we film it. Um, with Huntmasters, where you were taking extra days to get scenics, we were um, planning and shooting skits to support the hunts. Um, we were shooting an S-log for better color. We had um, always multiple shooters, uh, sometimes one guy just doing scenics. Like That was shot in a, in a uh, very purposeful way, and no talking to the camera. Um, Greg didn't like that, so all any talking that he had to do was either done in voiceover or done to another person, actu- like to another person, right, whether that be a guide or somebody else. So you have to shoot in a very specific way for that, and it gives it a more cinematic feel. Um, with Lee and Tiff, we're not doing those things. You're uh, producing a lot of talking. You're getting things as they happen. Uh, you're not usually taking extra days to get scenics, and the scenics, I mean, I don't think that the scenics are not getting used as heavily in their shows they would be in Huntmasters. Um, you were shooting in a Cinetone uh, color space because the color grading isn't um, really, it doesn't need to be extravagant. It just needs to look good. Yeah. Um, and the turnaround time on that is more important than than perfecting the color by using S-Log. Um, you know, and and the way that we shot this film is stylistically different than the way that we shot Blue Stem. Yeah. You know, while Blue Stem is a, a um, you know, it's, it's definitely, I don't know if I would say Blue Stem is cinematic in, in the way that people think about things being cinematic, but I think that, um, you know, you can look at a variety of things and everything you see is well, shot we, differently. We went for, uh, we intentionally went for a very grungy, dirty feel to it. Because that's how right. people view 
like waterfowl guides is very rough and tough and Thanks. never like really clean, clean shaven. I mean, look at you. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, we, Thanks, man. We, you know, so we intentionally shot it that way because we asked a couple of people, like, what do you think when you think of a waterfowl guide? And you're like, jacked up hands, very unkempt, no sleep, running on caffeine and hate, you know, that kind of thing. And, Hi, um, nice to meet you. So it's um, that was very much why it was shot that way, which I think – you think of think of the Batman that we just watched. It was incredibly dark, but the entire film was very, very dark. The theme of it, very, very dark. It was taking you to a place subconsciously. That's that's the whole goal. That is cinematic, and that's uh, Tim Weedy said asked the question: How do you keep the cinematic look and vibe while running and gunning in the field? I think I think there's a. I think there's a misconception that cinematic is one thing. Yeah, I agree. I think cinematic is used for people to be like, oh, this is a amateur video and this one is cinematic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, cinematic think- doesn't have one look. Like, yeah. go look at cinema, right? And you can see every single different look and style Well, that's the possible. Well, when that people w- refer to, like, something cinematic... They're referring to a very stereotypical yeah. look and feel. You mm-hmm. can blame Instagram for that one. Right. Well, but well, like it's it's the, it's not cinematic is not one thing. So when somebody is like, Hey, how can I make my stuff cinematic? I don't know what kind of cinematic. Yeah. Do you want Batman cinematic? Yeah. Or do you want Well that was the example I was gonna use is like look at Christopher Nolan's Batman, then look at this new Batman. Yeah. They're both very cinematic. They both look completely different. Both cinematic. One neither one of them's wrong. It's just one's a completely different style. There's a whole look. There's a whole, you know. They, they go look at those versus the Marvel movies. They're well, in the same vein of but, stuff, but and they look and they feel go so different. granular as to, you know, the new Batman movie literally had lenses made put out of tune just so they would have a certain look on camera. Like that is cinematic. Like it goes down to how you do it. Run and gunning is you literally have to think about what am I trying to accomplish here? And shooting those wide, medium tights, using foreground, using background, you know, shooting things with a high F-stop, shooting things with a low F-stop, you know, and all those things for a reason. You know, when you're chasing somebody, you know, you've got to, you've, you've got to think of these things because there's no one right way, like Ryder said, to be cinematic. And I want to answer Jason's question. We're going to have to end this because uh, my battery is about to go on my laptop and I don't want to lose everybody. Jason asked on the actual Instagram or the YouTube, do we have any requests for dinner food for next week in Iowa? Anything we don't have to cook. <laughs> Anything we don't have to cook. I told him the uh, those chorizo burritos he did were really good. One or two of and those I told in a him, water bottle holder of your turkey vest. told him lots oh. of, just lots of meat. We like red meat. So I told him we weren't really anything special. He's I told not him very dietary good. Dietary restrictions. He said he's lactose intolerant too, so that was not a big deal. He's not very good at cooking steaks, or probably not steaks. Mm, yeah, I know. Um, What's oh, and we have one more question, but I might have you, you and Ryer answer this one on Instagram Live because this one's going to take a while. Everything about the details of social media marketing, especially algorithms and how to yep, use them. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, that I, one's. I think that might end up having to be like one to wait for like a full on podcast, podcast. Yeah. to talk about. Because we're not going to be able to cover that one in on the fly. Or do I want to? Yeah, I'll, so be, ter- si- I'll be sick that day. Tim, I agree. The term cinematic is very overused nowadays. Hundred percent agree. 
Um, I, I but think, when you I see think, something cinematic, you know what you what know is, it's cinematic. What show does Tim edit? Uh, I don't know. What show do you edit, Tim? Edit, answer the answer the YouTube thing. I think to wrap it all things up and above, if I may be extremely general, is the way you shoot anything is entirely based on what you're trying to do, and you should decide that before you go shoot it. Mm-hmm. You should know those things before you and go shoot them. And stick to it. And stick to them. Like, give, go, okay, this is the story I want to tell. These are the constraints I have. These are the, uh, this is where it's going. This, like, know all of the variables you can and then decide, okay, I want it to look like this. I want to show, tell, do these things and then shoot in such a way that you can accomplish that. Um, and just cover your bases. Like, if you if you go into a shoot with at least a plan on how you want to accomplish it stylistically and you get your coverage, you will be able to make something pretty similar to what you're trying to get at, right? So, like, I can't sit here and give you the answers like, oh, if you're going to shoot TV, do X, Y, Z, because if you came to me tomorrow and gave me a TV show to shoot, I would ask you a whole plethora of questions to help me determine what it is that we have to shoot and how we need to shoot it. So you just have to, when you're thinking of shooting something, sit down and say, and think about, okay, what are all of the things? How do I want it to look? How do I, like, go all the way in the future and think about that end product and then go, okay, what are all the things I need to do to accomplish that end product? And that will inform how you shoot it. But not only the end product, the nuance of that end product. Like, I don't want just, like, I can't tell you how many times a client has said, you know, they'll call us and they say, hey, we want to do a video launch for this new product. Like, okay, what, do you, what is it? What do you got in mind? I don't know, just something cool. I've been told that so many times. A.K.A., I don't, wanna, I don't know what I want. I want you to tell me what I want. I muted myself until you see what we come up with and that's not what you want. Yeah. Or the best thing is I'll do is I was like, send me a video example of something similar that you like. And I know where this is going. And then it's like, okay, well your budget's $1,500 and you just sent me a no less than $100,000 Warren Winch video. Or, or the Ford Raptor commercial. Or the Ford Raptor commercial. And you're like, are you kidding me right now? What's our budget? Oh, five grand. Oh, cool. That's not what you're getting. Let me but go the, down and get into there's nothing more S10. There's nothing half more of, frustrating. Half of the first shot cost twice your budget. That'll happen. So, um, Tim edits extreme outer limits. Okay. Long-range hunting, oh, filming the last okay, two okay. years, and editing the last eight months. I got Shameless nice. plug. Shameless plug. Extreme outer limits. All right, that's all I got. We're about to run out of juice on the Instagrams anyway, so we're going to have to roll. I bet Ryers would last longer. Mm, they're probably about the same, actually. Mm-hmm. I was trying to give you a little something there, but hate your guts. All right. Hit the correct button this time. Peace. Peace.